0: So today, as we look at the scripture, I am led to preach on this subject today as I receive all the time many news breaks, so to speak, or new information. I received this week that our Texas Baptists, our Southern Baptists of Texas churches, gave the largest mission offering ever in the history of our existence and that Sagemont was one of the top churches in the state of Texas in our giving to others. But one of the things that I get all the time that disturbs me greatly is how many people are dropping out of church and how few are coming into the church. Where the Lord said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But today we are seeing our churches go down, down, down. Now I know the Bible prophesies that will happen before the Lord comes back. We talked about that a little bit last week. But that being said, it's still a very discouraging thing when you understand that our churches today, so many are going down and many are closing their doors more than ever before. And today I want... To speak on the subject, what was it that attracted sinners to Jesus and his church? What was it? What did they do then that we're not doing now? Where did we lose it along the way? We have technology. We have radio, television, internet. We have buildings. We have all kinds of things. But the truth is, we are seeing today... Fewer and fewer and fewer people coming to church, remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. We have now changed in the last half a century that I can account for personally. We have seen everything in the world come against our churches on the Lord's day, Sabbath. And we're seeing our churches get more and more empty And we see the spouts, they come up, they grow five or six years, 10 or 12 years. And then there's an affair on the part of leadership or something like that and all of a sudden gone. We see buildings all over our city that once were striving churches. And the building is there, but the people are not there today. What was it that Jesus did that we're not doing? That's what I want you to hear. I turn to Mark chapter 2. Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, and I want you to notice that, it was noise that he was in the house. That's the first thing that draws people is him being there. Let me go on with verse 2. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. They were overflowing. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. Notice that point. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy that was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when he had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves unto them, Why reason, here's his words, Why reason you these things in your heart? Whether it is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he says to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your bed, and go your way into your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all in so much that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. I hope that you're not surprised when people get saved at church. I hope you're not surprised when you hear that a marriage got put back together because of the ministry of the church. I hope that you are not shocked when you understand that mission offerings this year were the greatest in our state ever through our denomination. I hope that you come to church on Sunday knowing that all power is given to Him in heaven and in earth. I hope you go to church because you understand that the church is the bride of Christ. The church is not the building. The church is the presence of the Lord in the midst of His people. And I hope that you have come to the point in your life that you realize that God has decided that upon this rock, he said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, the gates of hell represent all the things that pull people away from church and away from God and away from hope and away from salvation. Everything else pulls you away, but the church pulls you in. If, if, We began to look carefully and see if we use what Jesus used to draw people unto Him. So, listen, please, very carefully. Remember the question? Why do people run from the church now when they used to run to the church when Jesus was there? What happened? What happened? Let me give you some thoughts. There's a lot more. Just be glad that this will be a partial sermon. (laughs) Otherwise, we might be here at dark. But let me get you started thinking. Number one, Jesus loved people. Jesus loved people. Jesus loved people. Do you love people? Well, a few. I don't love those that cause me trouble. It doesn't take me very long to give you a piece of my mind, if you know what I mean. Jesus loved people. Red and yellow, black and white, they were all precious in his sight. He doesn't care what the color of your skin is. He made the color of our skin, and I think he did a good job. I hope you feel the same way. He chose that. God made the plan. God did what he said he would do. And he loves us. The first song I think I ever learned in church was Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I'm talking to a lot of people today. You really don't believe Jesus loves you. You really don't. You're not sure that anybody else loves you. And now you doubt if Jesus loves you. But you know what? We don't have time to go into this very far. But Jesus loves everyone. Jesus died for you. Just as much as he died for anybody else. There is no difference in the wealth, color, where you live, what you do for a living. Jesus loved everybody. Now my question to you is, and to me, do you love everybody? Is there any situation where you can put it in picture, write it down, say, if somebody meets this that I've written on this piece of paper, I truly have to say I don't really care about them. I don't love them. They get on my nerves. We got too many of it, you know. If so, church, we got a problem. If the church bars people from coming because of anything, we got a problem. Jesus loved everybody. And right behind that, number two is, Jesus accepted everybody where they were. We want to change them and then get them in church. Jesus went where the sinner was and ministered to the sinner, ministered to the prostitute. Now... I make you whole, you get up and you go and sin no more. I've been in a lot of meetings where it was discussed in church life. Throughout my life with lay people, preachers, missionaries. Can it truly be said of us today as a bride of Christ, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. If that cannot be said of you, me, or our group, or the group of Christianity, we have got to deal with it. Many of us have a real problem accepting the fact that Jesus didn't make everybody like us. And I can assure you that the rest of the world is happy that God didn't make everybody like me or you. He made all people. To criticize people for how God made them or where they live, that's not something that we need to deal with. God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and woman, male and female. And then he told us what a male is and what a female is. But he made it true. But he loves us unconditionally, unconditionally. One thing that we have in common, are you ready for this? It's pretty short. It's found in Romans 3.23. You want to say it with me? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's where we're in one accord. I'm not going to ask you to do this because somebody might not be ready for this, but you could turn to the person next to you and say, you're a sinner, and before you could say, so am I, they might slap you. So we're not going there, all right? <laughs> but let me tell you something, folks. That's, that's, it ends right there. That's the only thing I know that we all have in common. We are all sinners, and that sin is what caused all of our problems. But Jesus went everywhere and loved everybody that was ever brought into his presence. He loved the hierarchy, the Pilots. Agrippa's—he loved the prostitute, he loved the sinner, and he gave his life for whosoever will. Right. Let me let you add another one to that. Say, so, well, the Bible only says that in Romans 3:23. Try 1 John 1:8. 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let's try John 6:40. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which sees the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last days. Jesus preached, whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. He doesn't select the people to get saved. He died so everybody can get saved. He came up with a way where His blood, through His grace, was sufficient for salvation for whosoever will. And let me give you one more. John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, that's where the, the water meets the wheel. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. I love Jesus because he loved me. How do we love one another? Can you say, behold how I love one another. Behold how I finally come to love people unconditionally like Jesus did. That's what attracted people. They felt they could come in the presence of Jesus and rather than be beat on the head, they could be loved to the cross through the grace and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you another reason that Jesus attracted people. He gave everybody hope. Our hope is built on nothing less, how do we sing it? Than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Jesus made it very clear, whoever you are, whether you're in this building, watching, listening, it matters not. Jesus gives hope to every single person, regardless of your past. He loves you unconditionally. Don't get mad at people that don't love you. They don't matter. Get right with God and become a child of the King. That's what Jesus preached. I've come that whosoever will could be forgiven of their sin and saved. John 6, 37. You don't have to know the Greek and the Hebrew. Here's what it says. He that comes to me. That's Jesus. I will in no wise cast out you see back then people tried to get to Jesus today they try to get to a church that they like the church doesn't save you churches can keep people from getting to Jesus by compromising and say do anything you want to God loves you and we're all going to get to heaven now if the Bible said that it'd be one thing since it says just the opposite it says Jesus I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. But our responsibility is to get people to Him. And by the way, He not only gave them hope, but He gave them direction. He didn't say go down to Main Street, turn left, go four blocks, turn right, get on the freeway, exit. No, no. You know what He said? He just simply said, You want directions to God? Follow me. Follow me. This, and where I am, there you will be also, if you follow me. Find out what I think and what I believe and what I teach, and that's called Bible study. Pray and talk with me. And as you talk with me, if you'll stop, and when you quit talking, listen and be still and know that I'm God, I will give you the desires of your heart. And I will lead you in the path of righteousness for my name's sake. In Mark chapter 2, verse 14... And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Here is one that could represent a lot of different things. But it did not seem likely that salvation would come. But then Jesus said, You follow me, and I'll take care of your sin. My blood will pay for your sin. My way will lead you to eternal life. My way will let you understand what a church really is and what the bride of Christ is. But you must follow me. Hear me, folks. God has a plan for your life. You must understand that. Every single generation, your generation growing up, my generation growing up, we... Seem to wonder, does God have a plan for me? I mean, who can I follow? You know, when you're a sophomore, you look at the juniors. Juniors, you look at the seniors. Seniors, you look at the college students. You go off to college as freshmen. You look at the seniors, and you start following them. You want to get in things they do, do what they do, go where they go, talk like they talk, act like they talk, dress like they dress, be one of them. And the first thing you know, you have been led way, way, way away from the God that loves you. Jesus said, be like me. What would Jesus do? Do you remember those those words we used growing up? What would Jesus do? Those words are still around. When somebody says, what would Jesus do today? He'd do just what he did then, 2,000 years ago. If Jesus walked in this church right now, he wouldn't change one thing that he did back then. He wouldn't try to get contemporary or with the time, what I mean by that word. He wouldn't try to get relevant. He is relevant. He is relevant. He doesn't need to get like us. We need to get like him. But our problem is, since we don't read our Bibles and we don't like to hear the Bible taught, and it's boring, is the reason we're in the mess we're in. If we want to attract people... We've got to be like Him. Another reason people came to Jesus, He gave them significance for their life. I'm shocked how many people that we deal with in church life that haven't reached their 20th birthday and they feel like their life is wasted. They feel like there's no hope. They feel like, unless I can just get with the crowd and get drunk and get drugged up and live immorally, And try to find myself shouting and hollering and and getting in the crowd and marching and all that kind of stuff. Then maybe I will be accepted. Not realizing that God did not call you to be a follower of anything other than him. But if you'll follow him, he'll make a leader out of you. Because God can make you a leader if you'll lead people to come to him. But yet, we still say no. No. I want to be like the world. Remember Paul? You ever heard of Paul? (laughs) Wrote so much of the New Testament? You you do know his growing up years, don't you? He murdered Christians. That's what he did. He was a murderer. He had had life without parole in any prison in America. But God saved him. Let him write so much of our Bible. You remember the lady... Caught in adultery? Did he throw her out of the church? Throw her out of the family? No. He said, I forgive you. Now you go and you sin no more. Amen. See, everybody's inventing new sins today. We just come up with new stuff, new stuff, and this, every generation wants to change to be a different kind of sinner. But there's one thing that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. People today need to be blessed. And church, we can be that blessing. I am so thankful that every week, every single week, people drive or fly to this campus because they've heard the Sagemont story as to how we take care of one another. They don't come because of the preaching. They don't come because of the music. They don't come because of the organization. They don't come because of the buildings. They come because this church loves God and we love each other. Right. And when one hurts, we all hurt. Right. When one is going through struggles, we go through it with them. I could take you on a 30 minute tour, not have to go very far from this pulpit, to take you to one of our security ladies that received the love of God through some of you precious ladies in the last few days. I could tell you story after story after story any week you want to come in. Because this church cares about people. We're not here to build a church. We're here to tell people about Jesus. Jesus was the draw. And when Jesus is put aside... And not referred to because if you say cross, crucified, atonement, blood, it will upset people. Let me tell you who it upsets it upsets the Father who sent his son Jesus to shed his blood and die on a cross so the sinner could be saved and born again. But we're gonna play church, we're gonna go through the motions. We're going to spend hours trying to figure out what people, what do we have to do to get them to come to church? Our challenge is how to get people off the road to hell and get them on the road to heaven. And it has nothing to do with anything other than what will we do with Jesus? Jesus is the thing it attracts. He attracted people to himself. He still will. But you have to let others see Jesus in you. The children need to reflect Jesus. The teenagers need to reflect Jesus. The college students, the young adults, the married adults, the single adults, the senior adults, the median age adults, the red, the yellow, the black and white, the rich, the poor, those that live in Houston all of their life or some that have just come to this country. In just a few moments, I'm going to go and welcome a group of our Vietnamese people and tell them how dearly loved they are at Sagemont. In just a few minutes, hundreds of people will be over here in our old auditorium that speak Spanish. Every song, every prayer, every word spoken will be in Spanish. But you know what all of them are saying? Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the thing that a church must have to grow is the same thing that happened in the New Testament. Jesus has to have preeminence. Everything has to be done in word or deed to the glory of God. We must not ever allow ourselves to get caught up in a culture that wants to please each other or to persuade each other to do whatever, but have it this way. And if it's right this way, then we will be drawing people, instead of people leaving our churches, they will be coming to our churches. When Jesus said in verse 10 that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin, he followed it and said, follow me, in verse 14. Just follow me. Who would have thought that one day, you want to finish that sentence? (laughs) I hear that all the time. Now, the older you get, the more you're going to hear that sentence, okay? Who would have ever thought that we would be blah, 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 blah? Who would have ever thought that, that we would be blah, 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 you know, in Houston, in church, in whatever? Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? The devil. And he had so many people following him. He got a good following. And as a result, we're seeing things go like this. And the, the prophecy is there and said it would, but by the same token. The blood of Christ still cleanses from sin. Yes. God's grace is still sufficient. Whosoever will still can come. Yes. Jesus is the way the truth and the life and nobody comes to the Father except by him. Yes. If we will just get right with him and let him make it happen, we'll see revival in our churches and in our own heart. Jesus taught his people to do right, to work hard, to be consistent. And to love others. The true followers of Jesus are committed to hard work, facing challenges, loving unconditionally, and never quitting. Churchgoers will come and sit. The followers of Jesus will come, worship, and serve. They will find that place to be a prayer warrior, to work with their hands, to work with their skills, to share their talents. On and on we can go. But the attraction is Jesus. He is the light of the world. I've told our church before I went to Las Vegas to speak and preach at the Mirage Hotel. If you can ever believe that. I'm one of the rare birds that ever got to preach there. But a man that spent a lot of time in Las Vegas traveled with me. He said that was my town before I got saved at Sagemont and met Jesus. And he went with me. And he said, we went down into town. He said, what do you think about those lights? And I said, boy, they're bright. He first told me when we left on the airplane, he said, notice how how this Southwest jet, how noisy it is. He said, when we come back, you notice how quiet it's going to (laughs) be. Everybody's excited about how much there's going to make. Everybody was moaning when they came home. (laughs) But the best one, he said, was as we drove into Las Vegas from the airport, he said, see all these lights? He said, pretty impressive, aren't they? I said, sure are. Sure are. He said, You ever seen anything like it? Never have. He said, they're pretty awesome, aren't they? I said, yeah. He said, let me tell you about them. He said every one of them have been paid for by the money that people lost in Las Vegas. Let's put it in perspective. If you want to lose money, that's where you go. And you can really enjoy the lights. <laughs> because you have pay for them. <laughs> or you can say, Jesus is my light and my salvation if you don't think you can be saved and Satan's telling you you're so bad you could never be saved Jesus is saying my blood will take care of it and my grace is sufficient now it's in your court you can now go and play the game or you can be born again and follow the Lord a lot of people think the Bible's not true Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, here's what it says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Jesus' word, God's word, never changes. And let me caution you, in a second closing point, God will not make an exception in your case. There's only one way, and it's Jesus. There's only one Savior, and it's Jesus. And I don't care what you've done and how good you are and how many dollars you've given to charity. It doesn't make any difference. It's what have you done with Jesus. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. A lot of people say you can't be happy unless you're healthy, wealthy, and wise. You can be happy the moment Jesus comes into your life. When old things pass away and all things become new. And another lie is there's many ways to God. No, there's not. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's what he said. And then you have another lie that says, well, there's not going to be a judgment day. Romans 14, 10 says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew 12, 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they will give an account thereof in the day of judgment. As I ask you today to say yes, you may say no. Most of you will say no, but that it will be recorded in heaven according to the scripture. And 2 Corinthians 5, 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body. According to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. And then the final lie is we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. I've had many people walk out of my presence and say things like this. Thank you, pastor, for your time. You've given me a lot to think about. I've had some of them walk out and that's the last time they ever heard the gospel. If you live long enough you'll have it and if you're a witness you'll see that happen in your life i got plenty of time my mother and daddy lived to be 140 you know i mean he just runs in our family no 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 that's not what jesus looked. he's not looking for your family tree he said it's appointed unto man once to die you'll make that appointment i don't like to go to doctors i love doctors i just don't like to go see them unless they're fishing. <laughs> but God wants to use you today, my friend. Sagemont Church, the goal of the future of this church must be Jesus must have the preeminence. Sagemont Church, our hope is built on nothing less than His blood and His righteousness. We're not a religious gathering of pretty good people that aren't as bad as most folks. We are sinners saved by grace, or we're sinners that need to be saved by grace. If you are saved, you need to say praise the Lord. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. And you don't have to stand in line. You do not have to pay a shipping charge. You don't have to see any letters that say everything that you've just heard is really not true. Because Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life.